0: Of course, Paul was an apostle and Timothy was a younger man. He was a pastor of the church at Ephesus. And he told Paul, this elder minister, told Timothy in 1 Timothy 6.12, he told him to fight the good fight of faith. And then if you go to 2 Timothy 4 verse 7, And I've learned this as a pastor, as a minister, don't ever tell anybody else to do something that you're not willing to do yourself. And notice here in 2 Timothy 4 verse 7, the Apostle Paul, right at the end of his life, right before Nero had his head chopped off for his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, He said this. He said, I have what? I have what? I have fought the good fight. Did he do what he told Timothy to do? He said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And talk to you today about keeping the faith here as we end the year. It's important that we keep the faith. And uh, I want to just cover some things on how Paul did keep the faith and how he did finish his race for Jesus successfully. It's a pertinent message. You know, due to the things that have been going on in the world, both naturally and spiritually and in this nation and in this city and in our personal lives, you know, walking for Jesus is a fight. You need to realize that. And... uh now, you also need to realize that here in the United States, we have it very easy. We, 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 we have it very easy compared to what Christians go through in some parts of the world. But no matter where you live, if you're going to serve the Lord, it is a fight. And uh, it's important that we finish well. I've learned this, that anybody can start a race. But not anybody and not everybody finishes it. And so many don't finish well. And I want to finish well. How about you? And so with that in mind, let's just consider for a moment the Apostle Paul's life. And then and, and, and see how he kept the faith and finished well. Look at Philippians 4 verse 12. This is a key verse in understanding how he did it. How he kept the faith and finished well. Notice Philippians 4.12. He says this. He says, I know how to be abased. And I know how to abound. In other words, I know how to make it when things aren't going so good. And I know how to make it when things are going well. He said, everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. There were times in his life where he had plenty to eat. Plenty of clothes. Everything was wonderful. And then there were other times in his life where he didn't have enough to eat. He he didn't have adequate shelter and food and so on. You understand that. You need to realize that. And you need to realize that in whatever state he was in, whatever the case, he continued on serving the Lord. You need to realize that. And I've learned this about the Apostle Paul, and it's the same in my life, and I think it's the same in in everybody's life that I've ever met, that our life is a series of peaks and valleys. Our life is a series of peaks and valleys. I haven't met one person yet, including myself, that everything went well for me all the time. But I've had times in my life where things went very well. And things were wonderful. And I was on the top of the world. And then there's other times where, you know, you go through such a low valley. And that's just life. You need to realize that. And, you know, I know that there's some ministers have arisen over the last couple of decades that if you listen to them, you'll be led to believe... Led to believe inerrantly so because it's not in line with the Bible. It's not in line with the Apostle Paul. They'll lead you to believe that if you serve Jesus, you're going to be on the mountaintop all the time. And that's just not the Bible. I said it's just not the Bible. I said it's just not the Bible. You need to realize that. And life is a series of peaks and valleys. And you need to realize that. That there'll be times when you'll be riding high, and then there'll be other times where you'll get knocked in the, in, right, right in the mouth. Life will hit you right in the mouth, and, and, and just that quick, your head will be where your feet were. You understand it'll stand you on your head. Did you get what I just said? See, there's a lot of people that don't, Christians now, that have heard the quote unquote faith message, and I believe in living by faith. We're talking, what are we talking about today? Keeping the, Faith. We're talking about it today, but I'm going to tell you that when you live for God, there's going to be some there's going to be some high times, but there's going to be some low times, too. You need to understand that. And this is the good thing, though, about the low times. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, what? Huh? Thou art with me. That's good news, isn't it? Now, having said that, just listen to this. I just want to share some things with you about the Apostle Paul. As he abounded and as he was abased, just think about this. Just listen to this. We could look all these scriptures up, but for the sake of time, because I want to get to showing you from the Bible how he finished his race successfully. But he started his Christian life with a vision from the Lord Jesus. Wouldn't that be pretty cool? How many of you think that would be pretty cool, that Jesus appeared to you? Now, I don't know that he saw him, but he saw that light. Remember, the light shone around him, knocked him down, and he heard the voice of the Lord. How many of you would like to hear the voice of the Lord? Wouldn't that be wonderful? I mean, that's a a cool way to, to start your Christian life. And then, if you look a little further, remember, as Paul, who was then Saul, went into into Damascus. Remember, there was a disciple there that the Lord spoke to named Ananias. Remember that? And the Lord said to Ananias, go over and minister to this man named Saul. And the Lord said, who would become Paul, and the Lord said to Ananias, he is a chosen vessel unto me. Now, how many of you would like to hear the Lord say something like that about you, that you're a chosen vessel unto God? I mean, that's abounding. That's about as good as it can get, right? Your chosen vessel unto the Lord. But then, in the, and, and then he went on to tell Ananias, he said that, that this man is going to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. Wow, that's pretty cool. How many of you think that's abounding that's right there? That, that God's got a good assignment for you. We're going to stand before kings and we're going to proclaim the gospel. But then in the next verse, in the next sentence, the Lord tells Ananias, and I'm going to show Saul, who would become Paul, how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. You remember that? How many remembers that? So you've got abounding and abasing right there. You've got you've got the Lord saying, he's a chosen vessel of mine. He's going to stand before kings, and I'm going to show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. You need to realize that life is a series of what peaks and valleys. And so many of us, we want to take the peaks, but we need to realize that there's valleys as well. So Paul's Christian life started with a vision of Jesus. But, you know, it was just a very short time after he got born again and baptized with the Holy Spirit and all of that. Just within just days, people were trying to kill him. Think about that. Abounding in a base in a basement. On on his first missionary journey, Paul went out and he rebuked a sorcerer. Remember, he was withstood by a, a sorcerer? And Paul said, You'll be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And remember, immediately a dark mist fell on him and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Now, that's pretty cool. Don't you think that's pretty cool? I mean, if somebody came against you, one of your enemies came against you and you say, you're going to be blind for a season and then all of a sudden they're blind. I mean, that'd be I mean, if you really were walking in the love of the Lord, you wouldn't really want that to happen. But wouldn't that be pretty cool if you could call down blindness on your enemies? I mean, you know, that's 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 pretty cool stuff. That's pretty cool stuff, isn't it? I've never been able to do that. That's pretty cool. And you know, sometimes large crowds showed up to hear Paul preach. Good, wonderful, high times, great successes. And then he went into Lystra and there was a man there that was crippled. I believe it was from his mother's womb. And Paul perceived that he had faith to be healed. And he said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet and so on. And the guy leaped and walked. How many of you think that would be really cool? Really cool. Yes or no? Do you think that would be cool to be able to do that? Yeah. And and, and it, it, that whole area got so aroused up that they Wanted to make a God out of Paul. Now, if you're really a Christian and you love the Lord, you don't want anybody to make a God out of you. Is that right? But how many of you like it when people are saying good stuff about you? Huh? How many, if you're like me, you like, you, you like good, you like when people are saying good stuff. Is that right? Now, I've learned over the years, I don't listen to either one too much. Because you can't believe all the good stuff and you can't believe all the bad stuff. And if you believe all the good stuff, you'll get the big head. And if you believe the bad stuff, you'll get discouraged. So you keep, you keep the praise of people and the criticism of people at arm's length. Because you're not as good as what they're saying you are. And you're not as bad as what they're saying you are. Is that right? But nonetheless, this man got healed. And this whole area, they, they, they want to make a God out of Paul. I mean, I mean, he's riding real high. But then the next thing you know... Some other people came in who were enemies of Paul and they persuaded this same crowd that wanted to make a God out of Paul. And in just a short time, this same crowd is stoning Paul and they drag him outside the city and they leave him for dead. Did you know people can change their attitude about you really fast? So he, he, he had a high time, but just that quick, he's got a low time peaks and valleys and then as as as, you know they left him for dead and he rose up real loud say say this say he didn't quit you know if there was ever a time to quit that might have been a time to think about it after you've been stoned and left for dead but he didn't quit he didn't stop he got up and kept on going and in the process of time, he came across this fortune teller who was a really, she's a witch, a real witch, a fortune teller. And he cast a demon spirit out of her. How many of you think that'd be real cool to cast a demon spirit out of somebody that needed help? But you know what that got Paul? They got him in prison. They put him in prison for that. Do so you know, you can do some real good things for the Lord and help people and and, and, and you may not get a reward from people. They'll put you in prison. I know in this ministry over the years we've seen people helped. I've had people stand right in here under the power of God. And get healed by the power of God. And they'll turn around, leave the church and sue you over some kind of stupidity. Hello? I said, hello? Did you hear what I just said? Yeah, yeah. Stand right in here. Get healed under the power of God. Make house payments farm, Help them. And then in the process of time, leave over some stupid, stupid, stupidity and then sue you on top of it. Isn't that something? Peaks and what? So we just keep right on and going, don't we? On that little let lawsuit, it came to nothing. It was stupidity. It never came to anything. You just serve the Lord. You keep on and going. I'm just trying to teach you that in walking for Jesus, you're going to have what? Peaks and... I I know a little bit about what Paul went through, not the extent, but I know a little bit about it. Helping somebody, and he wound up in prison. And he was in the worst part of the prison. How many remembers that? He was in a bad, bad area of the prison. But he was miraculously released. Do you remember that? How he sang praises? Here's another uh, another thing you need to learn about Paul is at midnight in the midnight hour when he was put in jail for doing something good. What was he doing in the midnight hour? Do you see why he was able to finish his course? He praised God in the midst of, of a bad circumstance. How many Christians have I met over the years and I've done it myself We do something good and we wind up getting persecuted for it. And in the midnight hour, instead of praising God, we're crabbing and complaining. Has anybody ever done that besides me? Well, let's learn a lesson from the Apostle Paul. And let's praise God whether whether the cupboard is full or whether the cupboard is like Old Mother Hubbard's cupboard and it's bare. We praise God anyway. Is that right? Whether the cupboard is full or the cupboard is bare, whether you have new clothes or you have hand me downs, just be glad you have clothes. Just thank God in the midst of any of it. Is that right? And so he went to prison. But he was miraculously set free. Remember, the, the, there was an earthquake and the prison shook. Remember that? And everyone's chains were loosed and Paul was set free. Remember that? And all the jailers with him, him and Silas, and the, 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 not, the, not the jailers, the prisoners, they were all set free, weren't they? Remember the attitude we keep in that midnight hour when things aren't going so good, not only affect us, but it affects others around us. Remember that. But why did he get in prison? He got in prison for doing something good. And he did something good and something bad happened. But he praised God in the midst of the of the valley. See, he had a peak and then a valley. And in the midst of the valley, he praised God. And the next thing you know, 2,000 years later, we're talking about how Paul was, you know, praising God in the midnight hour. And he was set free miraculously. Isn't that wonderful? But remember how he got in prison. He got in prison by doing something good. But yet out of that something good, something bad happened to him. But out of something bad, he kept a good attitude and then something good happened. You see the peaks and the valleys. It's like, life. have you found life to be like a roller coaster ride? There's ups and there's downs. And anybody that tells you anything other than that just isn't telling you the truth. I remember Paul raised somebody from the dead. Remember that young man, Eutychus? How many remembers Eutychus? You remember? And Paul was preaching and he preached and he, he got a little long-winded. And, uh, and the, the reason he preached long is it was the last time he was going to address the Ephesian, the church at Ephesus. And there was this young man, they were up on the third story in a room up there and he was sitting in the window and he fell asleep and he, he fell down out the window and he, and, and he, and he was killed. Remember that? How many remember that? That's not such a good thing to be preaching and have somebody fall asleep. That's bad enough. But then have them fall three stories to their death. <laughs> I've never had that happen to me. I've had a couple of people fall asleep over the years, but I've never had them fall dead. i had had one minister, Brother Hagin, he said he's had people fall dead in his healing line, you know. Can you imagine that? And he say, just keeps right on going. I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, that's not real good. You might not want to go get in that healing line, huh? But peaks and valleys. But what did Paul do after Eutychus fell? He went down and raised him from the dead, didn't he? Now, how many of you think that's pretty cool right there? That's an, ab- that's an abounding there, right? See how he went from abasing to abounding. I mean, he true, sure the guy falls dead, and the next thing you know, he raises him from the dead. Peaks and valleys, ups and downs. I see, when the guy falls to his death, you don't want to stop preaching right there. You want to go down there, raise him from the dead, and then what did Paul do? He went right back in the pulpit, and he preached till morning, you see. He just kept right on going. And, that, you see... That's what faith is all about. You keep right on going regardless of the circumstances. Regardless of what it looks like. Regardless of what it, what, what it, what, what, what it sounds like. Regardless of what people are saying. Or, or, or regardless of what they're not saying. You go right on with the assignment of God. You just go right on. I learned this. People are going to think what they're going to think. I'm going to just go right on serving God. And you need to do the same thing. So he raised this young man from the dead, went right on. When he got beat up and left for dead, he got up and went right on. You just get up. When when life deals you a blow and knocks you between the teeth and knocks you down, you don't stay down. You get up and you dust yourself off and you just keep right on going. I mean, he went on and unusual miracles were done by the hands of Paul. That's pretty cool, isn't it? They took aprons from his from his from his body and would take them to people that were sick and demon possessed and they'd get they'd get set free. That's pretty cool, isn't it? There was even a demon possessed person cried out one time and said, Jesus, I know, and Paul, I know. Remember that with the seven sons of Sceva? But who are you? I mean, just to have the demons know who you are. I mean, I mean, that's pretty cool, don't you think? Afraid, they were afraid of Jesus, and certainly uh, they should be. And they were afraid of Paul because he was a servant of the Lord Jesus. You know, isn't that, Wouldn't that be pretty cool? How I many think that'd be pretty cool? You know, hell afraid of you. And then Paul did stand before kings, didn't he? Didn't he? He stood before governors and kings, Felix and Agrippa and Festus. He stood before them. But does anybody remember how he stood before them? As a prisoner in chains. You also need to realize, don't put your own interpretation on what God tells you. Because you see... He got the Lord Jesus told Ananias, hey, he's you know, he's going to stand before, you know, kings and so on. So you get to thinking, well, I'm going to get to stand before kings. But he stood before kings, but he stood before kings as a prisoner in chains. Peaks and valleys. How many remembers Paul was in that shipwreck? Remember that shipwreck? You remember that? And, and they made it through the shipwreck, and then he come, they get up on the, the Isle of Malta. Remember that? And then Paul goes to get some uh, wood, and what, they, he throws it on the fire, and what happens? Anybody remember? A, a, a poisonous snake comes out and bites him. Things go from bad to worse. Come through a shipwreck, and then, and then now, now he's bit by a poisonous snake. What did he do? Does anybody remember? Real out, say, shake it off. See, if you're going to finish your race for Jesus, you're going to have to be a person that shakes stuff off. Because the devil's going to try to bite you at every turn. And once in a while, he may land a blow. And when he does, don't crab and complain and, oh, woe is me. What do you do? You what? You shake it off and go right on. And remember the people there, when that snake bit Paul, they thought he was just, well, this is really a bad guy. He made it through the shipwreck, and now, now he's bit by a snake. He's really a horrible person. But when he shook it off and he didn't fall down dead, what does the Bible say? They changed their minds about him and said he's a god. Remember that? Peaks and valleys. Don't go by what, pe- I could, I, I really, I don't care what people think of me. I really don't. And if you're going to finish your work for the Lord, you can't care what people think about you. Is that right? Paul made a similar statement. I won't look it up. We won't have you turn. But he made a similar statement. He said, if I still try to please men, am I then a servant of Christ? You can't really fully serve the Lord Jesus Christ and please him if you're trying to please people. You just can't. And you're never going to really make it very far as a as a minister that's pleasing to God if you're telling people what they want to hear all the time. Did you hear what I just said? But do you know after he shook off that snake into the fire and the attitudes of the people changed, does anybody remember what happened after that on the Isle of Malta? He healed a chief person there. And then after that, they had a healing service. And, and all the people on the island that were sick came to Paul and by the power of God he healed them. See, you've got what? Peaks and valleys. There was one time Paul was caught up to heaven. Is that right? How many of you think that would be really cool to be? And he saw things that were un- uns- unspeakable. Is that right? And then, just to speed this up a little bit, he got the revelation. He wrote nearly two-thirds of the New Testament, and he didn't get it from man. He got it from Jesus himself. Now, how many of you think that's pretty cool? Now, how can it get any better than that? But right along with that, he says, a thorn in the flesh was given me. A messenger of Satan to buffet me lest I should be exalted above measure. You see, he was he was given audience with the Lord Jesus and he was given the gospel of grace. But along with that, he was given a messenger of Satan to buffet him lest he be exalted above measure. Now, people want to know what that messenger of Satan was. I don't believe it was sickness or disease. I don't believe that because Jesus redeemed us from that. Can you say amen? But you know what it was? It was persecution is what it was. People yielding to the devil. Did you know people can yield to the devil? Did you know Christians can yield to the devil? Every time a Christian gossips, guess what? They just what? Yielded to the devil. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Did they lose their salvation? No. They just yielded to the devil. We shouldn't yield to the devil, should we? But Paul had a lot of people come against him. But you see, with the revelation of Jesus Christ also came a messenger of Satan to buffet him lest he be exalted above measure. Let me tell you something else that's important. If you want to finish your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, is don't ever get exalted above measure. Don't ever get to thinking too highly of yourself. You shouldn't think too lowly of yourself, but you shouldn't think too highly of yourself. And in the midst of all of those wonderful things that took place in the Apostle Paul's life, he never, ever, ever kept the glory for himself. He always gave the glory to the Lord Jesus. You need to be quick to do that. Can you say amen? If it's not for Jesus, we couldn't do anything. You need to realize that. Apart from him, we can do nothing. And so Paul had many, many, many peaks. Just listen to some of the valleys that, that just, he summed it up in Corinthians. Listen to this. He said, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews five times I received forty stripes minus one. How many, how many stripes is that where they whipped him? How many? Thirty nine times, now times that times five. He said, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. So how many is that? That's 195, isn't it? Is that right? All you got to do is take 39 times five. Can you do that? 195. I wouldn't want to get striped once. How about you? So you want to serve Jesus, huh? You really want to do something for Jesus. You want to rock the world for Jesus. Well, that's what he did. He rocked the world for Jesus, didn't he? In stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, I received 195 slashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, and that don't mean he was drunk. I'm going to tell you that right there. They threw rocks at him. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep. That means in the sea. In journeys often perils of in journeys often and perils of waters, perils of robbers, perils of my own countrymen, perils of the Gentiles, perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea, perils among false brethren, in the wilderness in wilder in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in cold and nakedness. So you want to rock the world for Jesus. Is that right? Well, that 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 will be in your future to some degree, one way or the other. Along with the peaks. There will be what? And anybody that tells you anything other is just not telling you the truth. All right. Let me close this message up by telling you how Paul successfully kept the faith and finished his course. Now I've already said some things, but look at Acts twenty twenty four, real quickly. Acts twenty twenty four. I'm going to read this in the New Living Translation. If you don't have it, it'll be on the screen. Acts twenty twenty four. New Living Translation. I like the way the New Living Translation translates this. It's the most accurate to the original Greek. And here's what it says. Paul says, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work, what? Assigned "Assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. The first thing is, be sure you're running the right race. Be sure that you're running the right race. If you want to finish your race, be sure that you're running the right race. Be sure that you're running the race that you were assigned by the Lord. Do you know why so many Christians never finish their race? It's because they're running the wrong one. They're running They're Many Christians try to run other people's races. And that's why they get discouraged and quit. Because you're not graced to run someone else's race. Well, that'd be good. If you're taking notes, you ought to write that down. That sounds like something Joyce Meyer might say. But I didn't hear her say it. I said it. So there. (laughs) You're not graced to run someone else's race. You're graced to run your race. There's something about human nature. We always want to run somebody else's race. We always want to do what somebody else is doing. Now find out what the Lord wants you to do and then run that race because you'll be graced only to run that race. I've seen so many people. They, they, they start something. They get something going for the Lord because they, you know, they think it's a good thing to do. They saw somebody else do it and then, then, you know, year comes and goes and they belly up and it's a failure and they quit. You get right down to it, you find out the Lord never really told them to do that in the first place. They're just doing it because they, they saw somebody else do it. Or, or they, had a, they had a desire maybe to do, to do it, but the Lord never told them to do it. You need to find out what you've been assigned to do and then do that. Okay? See, up until now, the Lord's assigned me to this. to teach To, to be a pastor here at this church. And it's, it's it's a noble thing. You know why it's a noble thing? Because the Lord assigned me to do it. We've had a lot of peaks and we've had some valleys. But we keep right on and going. And one of the things that blessed me, speaking to Joyce Meyer, I seldom say this, but, but some, I don't know, probably a year or two, probably a year and a half, two years ago, she sent one of her chief assistants over here. And uh, said that the Lord had laid it on her heart. Now this is a lady who's touching two thirds of the world with the gospel. Senna sent one of her chief assistants over here to commend us for standing. Our, me and my wife to commend us for standing our post for the Lord Jesus. Now that's an honor, isn't it? Is that wonderful? That's wonderful. That blessed me. That was a peak. But won't it even be better to hear the Lord one day say, "Well done, good and faithful servant"? You were willing to pastor a smaller church where nobody really knew who you were, but just a handful of people. It doesn't. And if you want, to, if you want your life to be changed, just stick around here the first month of this next year. We're going to get into some things. We're going to start. And He actually picked up on it when He was praying this morning. We're going to start. And I'm going to try to teach you in the first month of this next year. We need to start looking at things the way God looks at things. Don't let the world define who you are. Don't let other people define who you are. Don't let people on television define who you are. Let God define who you are. Because if you let the world and other people define who you are, you're going to get to the point where you don't even want to get out of the bed in the morning. Because the world and and people and the devil, people that that, that flow in line with the world system and the devil, they'll get you to the point where you see yourself as so insignificant and such a failure. Don't look at yourself that way. We need to see ourselves and the assignments that God has given us the way God sees them, you see. We're going to have a revival here, praise God. Can you say amen? Amen. And it starts in the way you see yourself. You need to see yourself the way God sees you. You need to see your assignment the way God sees it. There's nothing unimportant and there's nothing small when it comes to serving God. Did you hear me? Did you hear me? So we'll get into that. I'm into my message next week. We'll we'll get into into this and, and we'll start next week and go through the January talking about this. So uh, what has God assigned you to do? You know, I, I want to say this. You need to you need to reevaluate yourself from time to time and be sure that you've stayed on the course God has assigned you to. Because remember, when in this Christian race, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon, you know, to, to coin an old phrase. Right. And when you're running a long way, did you know it's real easy to get off track here and there? when you're running cross-country, you know, you don't want to take the detour. How many ever saw the movie The Little Rascals? I mean the new one. Remember when Spanky and Alfalfa are driving that race car and somebody turned the sign? Remember that? How many many of you have any culture at all and you saw The Little Rascals? And they changed that sign and they got off course, didn't they? You ought to go home and rent that some and watch it. They don't rent movies anymore. Well, you, you go to the internet, Google it, you'll get it. And remember, spanking Alfalfa, driving there, and Butch and Worm. Remember? How many remembers them? Golly, you know how many know who Butch is? And Worm is assistant. Don't they call him Worm? But anyway, they say, say this. They got off course. Well, they got off course. You get in all kinds of trouble. When you get off the course the Lord has for you. Now, now, if you were, if you were doing, if you were doing a a, 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 race, a race with a race car around, around St. Louis and you were on Highway 44 and the police had Highway 44 shut down, and it wasn't flooding, you know, and you're driving down 44 in, in a little, in a little go-kart, it would be safe as long as you knew the police had everything cordoned off. Is that right? But what if you were supposed to go straight on 44 and somebody put the, they, the, and the devil's real good about turning the sign on you? Did you get what I just said? To try to get you off course, and you and you took that race, that little that little go kart, and you got off on Highway 270 where there's Mack trucks and all kinds of stuff. How many of you, you? No, you don't want to be on 270. Is that right? You want to stay on 40. You want to stay on your course. Is that right? So you need to evaluate yourself from time to time and examine. Doesn't the Bible say examine yourself to, to see whether you're in the faith? You know, examine yourself. Exam, be sure that you haven't got off course. How many of you remember Abraham? He was right where God wanted him, but by easy stages he got off. And that's how we get off a lot of times. Just a little little off here, a little more, a little, a little here, a little there. And the next thing you know, Abraham's down in Egypt, back in the world. Is that right? Remember, remember that with Abraham in the Old Testament? So evaluate yourself from time to time. Real loud say, I must. Stay on course. Okay. Now then the next one you're all familiar with. Go to Philippians 3.13. I'll try to close this up as quickly as I can. Don't want to preach too long at you here. But look at Philippians 3.13. The New Living Translation. Pretty pretty much every, everybody's familiar with this. But it's good to review. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. In other words, he said, I haven't finished my race yet. I haven't got where I'm supposed to be. But this one thing I do, I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the what? You got you to gotta do that, guys. Forget the past. And you got to remember who said this. Paul, he used to kill Christians. Is that right? And you know the devil used that against him. Who do you think you are preaching to these people trying to get them? Say, you're a murderer. You know, he had to deal with that kind of stuff. I'm convinced of it. And the devil's real good about bringing up the past. You're going to have to forget it. You can learn from the past. You just can't live in the past. And then look forward to what lies ahead. We need to always have something we're looking forward to. But notice it doesn't stop there. Verse 14 says, I press on. See, you must forget the past. You must learn from it. But you don't want to live in it. You have to forget it. Then you have to look forward. But you know a lot of people live their life. Listen to what I'm saying now. A lot of Christians live their lives always looking forward to something. But they never achieve it. You know why they never achieve it? Because they never do anything. They're just a bunch of dreamers. I fall into that category. That's why the Lord gave me my wife. Because I'm I'm real good at, well, this is what the Lord told me to do, but I'm not real good at getting it done. I remember when the Lord laid on my heart about starting this church. And he said to me, he spoke to my heart, go down to the school, Rockwood Summit, rent a room and teach my word. See, And, and, and if it was just me without my wife, I'd still be thinking about that. But guess what my wife did? She's a presser. My wife is a presser, and I mean that as a as a, a a compliment. Guess what she did when I said, "Well, we need to go down to the Lord said we need to go down and rent a room and and teach His word." Guess what she did? She put it on her calendar and she made a phone call and she rented the room. Can anybody say Amen? See, it's not enough just to look forward to something and dream about something. You need to put action to it at some point. Isn't that what faith is really all about? Not just seeing something. You see, faith is the substance of things, hope for the evidence of things not seen. But at a certain point, don't we have to put action to it? Faith without corresponding action is what? Is dead. So say this, say, I must press. Hey, you must press. You gotta press. You gotta do something. That word means to pursue. you got to pursue it. You've got to put action to it. So if you're going to finish your race, you need to first be sure you're on the right course. You're going to have to forget the past, look forward to the future, and then you're going to have to move towards the future. And then go to 1 Corinthians 9, 24 quickly. And actually, for the sake of time... let's just read 24. Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. That's good advice, isn't it? Run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. And then he says, so I run with purpose in every step. Think about that. Does every step you take for the Lord, does it have purpose? Think about it. It should have. He said, I'm not just shadow boxing. I'm not just, in other words, he's not just batting into the air. He's got a purpose. For every every blow that he lands, he's got a purpose for it. Do you understand? I remember when I first started playing golf, I went out in a field and I just started hitting golf balls Indiscriminately. And it messed my golf swing up. And I learned later when you, pl- when you play golf. When you practice golf. Every time you hit a golf ball. You have a target for that ball. You don't ever hit a golf ball indiscriminately. Did you hear me? You always have a target. You always have a goal. And if you're going to live for the Lord. You should always have a target. You should always have a goal. Don't ever go out in a field and just hit golf balls indiscriminately. You always have a target. You always have a goal. When you serve Jesus. You should always have a target. You should always have a goal. And then look at verse 27. He says, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. That's good, isn't it? That word discipline in the Greek actually means, if you study into it, it has to do with what you put in your body, your appetite. has to do with food and drink. And, with, and it has to do with chastity. You know, we need to live right sexually, don't we? The devil's got a lot of people off with, with with sex and he's got a lot of people off with uh, them putting stuff in their body they shouldn't put in their body. Is that right? See, God wants us to have sex, but he wants it to be between what? A man and a woman as a husband and wife. Period. Not between a man and a man, not between a woman and a woman. Not between you and somebody you're not married to, but between a man and a woman, but as a what, husband and a wife. And you get it outside of that, it'll be a whole lot of fun for a whole for a, for a, for a while. But the end of it will be what? The wages of sin is death. There's pleasure in sin for a season, but the end the end of it is death. But he did, did you know Paul had to discipline his body and keep it under control. Do you know Paul wanted to probably go to the buffet? He said he buffeted his body, right? He said I buffet my body. I think that's what the King James says. I buffet my body. That doesn't mean he went and he ate all that he could eat. Do you ever notice that uh, that there's just something about? I, I know my wife. She made pecan pie. She has it because I've lost about sixty pounds over the last two years. But you know what? I put some of that pecan pie in my mouth, and it brought back some wonderful memories. But you've got to be just so careful. you got to be so careful. That's why, you know, really, I've, I've really, you know how I used to tell you, I'd go by the bakery and I'd start looking at the, because I can't eat it, so i go look at it. But you know I was making life rough on myself. Don't go to the bakery. Don't make life rough on yourself. Because you go to the bakery, guess what, you're going to, because I like to just go look at it. But if you look at it, guess what's going to happen? You're going to start, you might start eating it. So let's make life easier on ourselves. Let's don't put stuff in front of us that's going to that's gonna, gonna make it harder on us. Is that right? So I just need to stay away from the bakery. Some people need to stay away from the bars. Is that right? You know, or whatever the case. You've got to train your body and discipline it. I go in and, and every other day I work out. I do, what is it, like 200 sit-ups now with a 55-pound weight on my chest. That's pretty good. You should have seen me two years ago. I couldn't do 10 sit-ups. My wife would sit on my feet. And I'd lay down and she'd say, go. And she she said, come on. And so I couldn't. I, and finally I got up. And then I learned, what because I was so heavy, I would weigh about 230 pounds. I had this big stomach. And so what I did is I learned. I just used my stomach. When I went down, I used the momentum. The fat rolled up. And when it hit me, then I used the momentum to pull myself back up so i did i that's how i do my setups but but you know we stuck with it and we didn't get there overnight then she said she said let's do 50 setups and i said good and so i started counting 10 20 30 40 50 she said no 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 that's not what i meant but now you see if you you see if you stick with it you can you can train your body you can did you know you can train your body to resist sin did you know that we could talk forever on this so real I would say paul disciplined his body And you're going to have to discipline yours. And then go real quickly. Hebrews 12 verse 1. Are you getting anything out of this? I need to finish this. Come on. Hebrews 12 1. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of wit, let's lay aside every weight and the sin which easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that's set before us looking unto Jesus. What do we learn here? We learn that there's weights and there's sins. And if you want to finish your race successfully for the Lord, you're going to have to lay aside the weights. And you're going to have to lay aside the sin, which so easily besets us or ensnares us. Do you know there's difference between weights and sin? You know, there's some things that I know there's some things in my life that aren't sin. But the Lord wanted me to lay them aside. They weren't sin, but they were weights and they'll and they'll bog you down. Did you hear what I just said? And then he says the sin which easily ensnares us. You know I've learned this about people. I've learned this about myself. Is that you know I'm not tempted in every area. But there are certain areas that, 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 I, am, that I do struggle in. And I think it's true with everybody. Has there ever been that thing in your life that you've wanted that you you've, you've dealt and you struggled with it over time. And you, you, you've told the Lord more than once. I'm never going to do that again. And then you wind up doing it again. Is there anybody that's, that's ever happened to besides me? And you swear on a stack of Bibles you're never going to do that again. And, and you tell the Lord. And you really do mean it in your heart. But you wind up going right back there and doing that same thing. Has anybody ever struggled with that besides me? I mean, let's just get real with with and be real. I, I, you know the Lord still loves you. And uh, what did he say to do? You're going to have to lay it aside. You're going to have to discipline yourself you're going to have to put it aside or it's going to continually bog you down there's weights and there's sins some things aren't sin they're just weights but you're going to have to lay them aside did you hear what i just said wouldn't it be nice like with 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 pecan pie if i could just go abracadabra and boom and i never crave it anymore wouldn't that be wonderful but you know it doesn't work that way. But you know what the Bible says is you put these things to death by starvation. You know the the longer I've been away from the sweets, the less I desire them. And that's how you that's how you overcome these things is you cut that, realize say cut it off. You just got to cut it off. Gotta, didn't Jesus say that if your right eye offend thee, cut it off? It doesn't mean pull it out. And, and he's talking about you just you stop looking at things you shouldn't look at. You stop going to places you shouldn't go. You stop doing things that you shouldn't do. You got to cut it. You got to dis. You got to take the bull by the horns. You know what I mean by that? And stop certain things. Maybe for you it's gossiping. Maybe for you it's lying. I don't know. You got to realize. Say lay it aside. You got to lay it aside. It's not easy, but it must be done. And then he said, run with patience. You're going to have to be patient. Remember, I've taught you what is patience. It's the ability, the ability to wait with a good and right attitude. Is that right? That's patience. Looking unto Jesus. So you're going to have to keep your eyes on Jesus. And then finally, go, if you would, with me to Hebrews three. And then and then and then we'll close here. Hebrews three. And this is one that that you really got to be watchful of. All these are important, but watch this. Hebrews 3, verse 7. Therefore, the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you'll hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. As in the rebellion, this is when the Israelites went into the wilderness. They came out of Egypt. Moses led them into the wilderness. In the day of trial in the wilderness, verse 8. And then for the sake of time, look at verse 12. He says, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Now, why did I read that? Because when you're running your race for the Lord and you go through the the valleys, it's real easy to get angry with the Lord. Has anybody ever got angry with the Lord besides me? Did David ever get angry with the Lord? Now, does the Lord deserve it? No, he did not done nothing wrong. But we're human. And I've watched so many people over the years. They really, they really get sidetracked from their race. And they never do finish their race because something happens in their life. There's a miscarriage. They lose a child. They have to bury a child. The money didn't come through on time. They lost their house. They lost their car. Sickness hit their body. How many of you know God's not the author of sickness and disease? Is that right? He isn't. But, but something happens. Or they were believing God and it didn't, it didn't come through on time. It didn't happen the way they thought it should. And then all of a sudden they'll get angry with the Lord. Oh, listen to me, dear friends. Listen to me. If you've ever listened to me, listen to me now. When bad things happen, you go through those valleys. Don't get mad at God. Don't blame God. Don't lay it off on God. The Bible says the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Is that right? And not only that, sometimes we don't need the devil's help at all. How many of you know we can mess things up just without his help? Is that right? So don't get mad at God. But I've seen truckloads of Christians never finish successfully and they lose the faith and they develop in in themselves a heart of unbelief and they eventually, they may not walk away from God and lose their salvation, but they get at a distance from God and they, they, they live at a distance from Him because they're mad at Him, they're angry with Him because something didn't happen the way they thought it should. Did you hear what it just said? And they never do finish their race. Don't let that happen to you. He said, do not. Look at verse 8. Do not harden your heart. See, it's something you're going to have to, to do. Don't let it happen. So how did Paul keep the faith? How did he finish his course? Well, he ran the right race. He forgot the past. He looked to the future. And then he pressed on. He stayed disciplined. He laid aside weights and sins. He stayed patient. He kept his eyes on Jesus. And he maintained a soft and a good believing heart. You can see that when he was in jail there at the midnight hour. He wasn't screaming at God. He was praising God. Look at Acts 14.21. We'll close with this. Remember a good preacher always closes at least two or three times. But you haven't got anywhere to go anyway except in a boat. I just hope you, this has helped you some today. Acts fourteen twenty one New Living Translation. Notice this: after preaching the good news in Derby, this is what Paul, this is what Paul did. He preached the good news in Derby, made many disciples. Paul and Barnabas they returned to Lystra, Iconium, Antioch and Pisidia, where they strengthened the believers, and they encouraged them. What did they encourage them to do? To what? To continue in the faith. So those people back there then needed to hear the same message you're listening to today. Keep the faith. Continue in the faith. And then he said something that, again, be nice if we didn't have to read it, but it's in there. Reminding them that we must, what? Suffer many. Did it say sickness and disease? No. We're redeemed from sickness and disease. But we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. That means that before, between now and the time we go to heaven, whether it's... The Lord comes and catches us out of here. We we go by the way of the grave. Either way, between now and then, it's not all going to be mountain mountain peaks. There's going to be some valleys. But if we'll be faithful and endure to the end, then we'll get to hear Jesus say one day, Well done, good and faithful servant. And he'll give us a crown that will last forever. It won't be like the the gold medals they get at the Olympics. It'll be gold that'll shine.